morning, Anchor Point family. I'm so happy to be here with you this morning. Hey, what's that? That's a doggy dinosaur. Remy, can you say hi? Say hi. Hey guys, uh, happy that you could be here with us on our uh, YouTube channel uh, watching this morning's uh, sermon. I just pray that you guys are doing well. Um, I want to encourage you guys in any way that you can to connect with one another. Uh, I know we've kind of been sending out some emails of the plans that we have moving forward, so hopefully you've uh, been checking your email for those. I'm excited to hear uh, what Tom is bringing this morning in our series on Ephesians. Um, he's going to be talking about celebrating God's blessings, so I hope it uh, challenges you, encourages you, and uh, look forward to seeing you guys uh, sometime soon. Love you all, and uh, yeah, have a blessed day. Bye for now. Good morning. I'm Chris. And I'm Carrie. And this morning we're going to be reading from the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. This is the word of the Lord. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. May God bless the reading of his word. Hey everyone, good morning. My name's Tom and I live in Allison here with my wife and my kids. This is our living room space. I'm recording here. And uh, I'm one of the elders at our church. And if this is the first time you're joining us, we're, we're so happy you're with us. and. We're in the middle, or not the middle, the beginning of a series in the book of Ephesians. And so we're going to spend our time this morning looking at verses 3 to 14 of the first chapter. Um, have you guys ever had really good news to share or been the recipient of really good news from, say, your child or a niece or a nephew? And it's like they can't even get the the, the news out fast enough. They're They're... You know, their grammar is awful. They're not finishing their sentences. They're just so excited to tell you what's in there. And and this is this is actually kind of similar to what's happening in our scripture that Chris and Carrie just read us that we're going to be talking about this morning. 
And it's also very similar to any of you guys who've received an email from Josh Ross in the last couple of years. It's like, there's no commas. I don't know if he doesn't have a comma on his keyboard or a period, I don't understand. But anyways, it's like you, you can't take a breath if you're reading it properly. And this verse, these verses that we're looking at today, um, it's actually one run-on sentence. So Paul is, as he's sharing this, dictating this maybe to, to whoever's writing it, he he's, it's like, it's it's bubbling out of him. There's this effervescence about what Paul is saying. He can't even contain it in the same way that sometimes if your son or your daughter or your niece or your nephew or kid down the street shares this, it's like he can't get it out fast enough. And so there's 202 words here with, with zero punctuation that we're going to be talking about and thinking through. But I think it's it's important to note that the, the tone of what Paul's saying, because sometimes when we just read something like a text or you know, there's no emojis or an email and there's no, it's just very, you can't read the tone of what, what's trying to be communicated. I think we should take Paul's lack of punctuation here as, as the tone being very celebratory and effervescent and praise. Like he's so excited about what he's going to be telling us. And maybe that's how we need to take Josh Ross's emails. I don't know. But anyways, um, I think for us to kind of get started, what is the basis for Paul's excitement? It's kind of what we're going to be talking about as we learn to look through uh, what it means to what are we what we're actually celebrating or what Paul is celebrating and inviting us into celebration with him, in 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 the framework of this spiritual blessings in Christ or, or celebrating God's blessing. So God blesses us with Himself. God blesses us in choosing us. God blesses us in redeeming us. God blesses us in giving us an inheritance. God blesses us in sealing us with his spirit. So then the question at the end is, how do we live a life that celebrates all of these truths? So, so the beginning, guys, we're going we're gonna to go in chunks here. We're going to break down these 202 words in chunks. In the first verse, verse 3 here, we're going to look at celebrating the Trinity. So blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Dang, what a starting sentence here. And so what we see here is the Father, the Son, and the Spirit represented. And this speaks of the theological and re reality of the Trinity. And the Trinity is a huge deal for us who are following Jesus. It's actually who God is. And so a really simple definition is this. God eternally exists as three persons. Stick with me. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Each person is fully God, and there is one God. Okay? Anyone's head exploded? It's okay. It's a, it's a complex thing, but once we, can wrap our, once we begin to wrap our heads around it and begin to understand it, it's so incredibly helpful and explains the nature of God so beautifully. We did an entire sermon on this in 2018 that I posted the podcast to below where we talk in depth about what the who the Trinity is, the nature of the Trinity, and all those things. We're not going to go fully into that today. And if you're really interested, uh, Athanasius, an early church father, wrote a, the Athanasian Creed where he really unpacks and defends the nature of God as Trinity. So if you're interested in reading that or learning more about the Trinity, I've posted both of those things below. So think about this. God has existed eternally as Father, Son, and Spirit. And so close your eyes for a second. Imagine the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, 
the God who is three in one, it, around a table. And the three of them are, are, are the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are, are, are facing each other face to face. They're looking at each other. They're hearing each other. They're, they're loving each other. And this is the nature of our God that, that, that has existed in this way since before the foundation of the world and will exist this way on into eternity. There's love for one another. There's self, um, self-giving love at that. There's a willingness to prefer the other. There's a unity there. There's a shared purpose and goal and intention for, for what they're doing. And this is important for us to wrap our heads around because, as one author said, the Trinity is the cockpit for all Christian thinking. And so this, this, this God, who we see displayed in the Bible, we see expressed in the Bible, and most, most poignantly in the incarnation as the Son takes on flesh, Jesus walks the earth as the God-man, expressing and showing to us what God the Father is really like in the power of the Spirit, and in doing so, what a human being partnering with God or a person in Christ could live like and look like and behave like. The blessing that we're going to be talking about today in all of its facets, it's kind of wrapped up in this mystery of the incarnation. And simply put, the the beauty of that is that Jesus has chosen to forever identify with humanity as the God-man. That because of the great love the Trinity has for humanity, Jesus steps into creation, or the Son steps into creation to rescue us from the power and delusion of sin, uh, of from Satan and from death itself. So how does he do this? He does this by, be, by taking on our flesh. The Son, the eternal Son, steps into time, breaks into time, and expresses the eternal decision and eternal love that, that the Trinity has for humanity. He does so by uh, taking on flesh, by living a life as a human being, by being hungry and, and understanding our, our plight as human beings. But the, the, the incredible thing is that Jesus walked the earth as a human, but unlike all of us, Jesus was perfect in the fact that he never sinned. He was tempted in every way, but never sinned. And so we see that Jesus lives the life that we, could ha- we, we, we were intended to in the beginning, before sin entered the world. So Jesus comes as the God-man to free us from sin, from Satan, and from death. And he does this by including us in his life, his death, his resurrection, and ascension. And this is a terribly complex thing, but it's so beautiful if we can wrap our heads around it, that what Paul is going to go on to talk about is this reality and mystery of that, that the church, those of us who have decided by faith to, to partner with God or to, to join with who Jesus is and what he's accomplished, we are now included in Christ. And what that means is that we are included in his life, we are included in his death, we are included in his resurrection, and we are included in his ascension. And a way to boil all that down, and we could go on and on about this, is this. What's true of Jesus is now true of us. Those of us who by faith have joined ourselves to Christ, what's true of Jesus is now true of us. And if we're thinking back to that picture of the Trinity, of them sitting down and facing each other and looking at each other, so now we're seated with Christ in the heavenly places. So I'm, I'm sitting with the same vantage point. You're sitting with the same vantage point that Jesus has. So in that sense, when you look out, you see the Father as Jesus sees the Father. 
no longer in the delusion of, of, of projecting fear and what we think God is like and what sin kind of skews God to, to look like and me to look like. It, and, and, from, and from the Father's vantage point, he's seeing us the same way that he sees Jesus. And the Spirit's there communicating and expressing the love the Father has for the Son and the Son has for the Father. And we're somehow, through the mystery of what Jesus has done, included in that. This is no small deal. This is, this is incredible good news. And we're going to be talking about more and more of this. But that's, again, just a breakdown, hopefully, of what we're talking about here. So the Trinity, they're each playing a role in this blessing. It's not that Jesus had to convince the Father to let him come down and save us and rescue us. The, the Father is actually the giver or the source of this gift, of this blessing. The Son is the reservoir of this gift, and the Spirit is the communicator of this gift to our hearts. But what is the nature of, this, of these blessings that we're going to be talking about today? Uh, first of all, these blessings are in Christ. So these gifts are for those who by faith have united themselves with Jesus in his life, death, resurrection, and ascension. Again, this in Christ phrase occurs 11 times in the verses that we're going to be talking about today. These blessings are spiritual. So this is a summary statement of what we'll be discussing today. This is what we receive through God's work in Jesus, his election, adoption, redemption, forgiveness, and the gift of the Spirit. And these are manifested in the heavenly places, or the immaterial reign, the unseen universe, which lies behind the world of sense. In the Old Testament, we remember God blessing um, Israel or other na or uh, Abraham with like material blessings, you know, sheep and camels and um, land. But in the New Covenant, in, in where we where we're living now, the, the the nature of these blessings is spiritual. And this is a theme, the heavenly places in, in Ephesians. So Paul talks about it in verse one or chapter one, verse 20, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Chapter two, verse six, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Chapter three, verse 10, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Uh, chapter 6, verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against, the but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers, over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So the reality of um, what we find ourselves in is that those of us who are in Christ find ourselves in the midst of a serious battle, right? The, the story of the Bible is... Um, how God is, is reuniting heaven and earth once again. And in doing so, there's this removal of hell or getting the hell out of earth that's happening where there's a battle for this space. And so if we think about, you know, Israel and, and them being led out of captivity in Egypt and eventually God promising them this, this land or the promised land, if we think about the battles that occurred in the nation or for the nation of Israel. There weren't any battles when they were walking through the wilderness for those 40 years lost and confused on the way to the promised land. The battles actually took place once they were in the promised land. So it's the same thing for us. So don't be discouraged if you find yourself in the midst of a spiritual battle because you're in Christ and that there is a there is more going on than we realize that way. So in summary, guys, we are now in Christ. And if that's true, what's true of him is now true of us. So we can see the Father the way Jesus sees the Father. We can be seen the way the Son is seen by the Father. And all of this 
is share we, we get to share with the relationship that Jesus has with the Holy Spirit, his relationship in, in that space. I kind of muddled that last bit, but it's a crazy, beautiful, amazing truth. We did a whole series about this a couple of years ago called One. But let's go on. So this this verse that Paul is talking about here, what what are we so there's this Trinitarian blessing that's poured out. And so what what are the things that we're celebrating? What are what are the things that are tied up in this blessing? In Christ. So the first thing is that we're going to be celebrating is the celebration of election. So that's going to be unpacked in verses four to six. So let's read verses four to six. I'm going to go back. What was the last word of chapter three here? On heavenly places. Sorry. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Wait, what? When did he choose to bless us? When did he choose us? Before time as we know it, is what Paul is saying here. From before the foundation of the world, God made his mind up about you and me. What? One uh, translation done by one man named Francis Dutrois, when, he's, when he t- is talking about this, this verse, Ephesians 1, 4-6, he says this, God has found us in Christ before he lost us in Adam. So God made up his mind about me, about you, long before we made up our mind about him. Wow, this, the nature of this election that we're celebrating is that it occurred before time as we know it. This is good news because... The reasons for God choosing were only in himself because um, his decision must, if it's before the foundation of the world, that means that must uh, exist outside of my performance or outside of your performance. That's good news. It means that God willingly and joyfully chose us. He wasn't tricked into doing so. He wasn't duped. He wasn't manipulated. He, He willingly and joyfully chooses us. His eternal choice is both warm and smiling. It took place in that community of perfect love shared by the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. So the nature of this election, it was before time as we know it. The reasons for it were only in himself. And that choice was made in him, in Christ. Again, going back to the incarnation. Jesus is the God-man. There's this tension there. Even if you think about heaven and earth, there's always this, this beauty of tension in the Bible that I'm, I'm seeing more and more. So Jesus is God, right? So Jesus comes as the choosing God, having made up his mind, and he chooses man, even in the person of Jesus. And that's, stick with me. And Jesus, as he's there on the cross, is the judging God. He's judging man in Christ, right? He's All the, all the sins of the world were, were put onto Christ and The judging God judges man there. So Jesus, in that sense, is our new representative. As all were in Adam before, now we are all in Christ. So that's the nature of this election. It's in him. It's it's reasons were outside of us. They were only in him. And this this election took place before time as we know it. But why? Why did he choose us? Was there any purpose? Was it just because he was like, oh, I'll just pick these guys? There is a purpose. There's a purpose for election. 
First of all, it's for sanctification, to present us holy and blameless. The, the good news of the incarnation or, or us being hidden in Christ is that in Adam we were doomed to sin, but now in Christ we are welcomed into a new nature as we learn to follow the way of Jesus. This whole process of discipleship, of being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what Jesus did, the goal of that is to live lives that are set apart from the world, that are, as we continue on in maturity and in, in obedience to God, that we live lives with the aim of being blameless in what we do. And this is not a responsibility to be taken lightly. It's actually, again, in choosing us, we're able to choose him. In, in, in him choosing me before the foundation of the world, I'm able to choose him now in my decisions about X, Y, Z thing. The second purpose for election is adoption. When you really love someone and you've experienced something really amazing, isn't one of the greatest gifts actually sharing with that person that same experience? Say it's a restaurant or a movie or a stand-up comedian or uh, you know a place, like a, a hidden spot where you go on a hike. So, so that's what's happening here, that as, as, as God's made, God has made up his mind about us, they, the Father, Son, and Spirit want us to experience what they've always experienced. And so Jesus wants to, us to experience what it's like to be the son, what it's like to be the, a child of Father God, of, of the Father. So Jesus shares his relationship with the Father with us in that election. And this is a huge deal because how, what, what we kind of settle in our minds about who God is and what it means to be a Christian, the whole idea of, of sonship and fatherhood is a big deal. Um, and this is a quote from J.I. Packard that I'd love to read to kind of summarize this. If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he or she makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. For everything that Christ taught, everything that makes the New Testament new and better than the old, everything that is distinctly Christian and opposed to merely Jewish, is summed up in the knowledge of the fatherhood of God. Father is the Christian name for God. To know God is to know him as Abba, Father. He chose us so that we, may, we would be adopted into the family, knowing who our father is. He chose us in this so that we could live lives of praise. As we understand this, as we unpack this, as this belief takes root in our lives and in how we see the world and becomes a, uh, a lens through which we interpret scripture and the cockpit for our Christian thinking. The logical response to this is, is that, you know, we would praise God. We would, we would express thankfulness and gratitude and exalt him and, and see him as he really is. This is an abundantly good deal that we've gotten out of here, guys, that he chose us before the foundation of the world. So why? Are, what's the first reason we're celebrating today? He chose us. That's what we're celebrating. Which brings us to the second point, a celebration of redemption. Verses seven to 10. Let's read this in Ephesians 1 chapter, Ephesians chapter one, verses seven to 10. In him, there it is again, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. 
So as we looked at the past choice that God has made, now we're coming into the present. And then we're going to be looking at the future. So there's this whole three-dimensional thing that's happening in this this effervescent bubbling over. You know, it's like he shook up a two-liter of Sprite and it's exploding everywhere of good news about the, the blessing that we have in Jesus. So let's just look at a couple of these words. The first word, uh, the present reality of redemption. The first word let's look at is redemption. And this is a Greek word that's translated, and what it does is it indicates liberation from imprisonment or captivity. That's that's good news, right? That's something worth celebrating. And in, in redeeming us, what we need to realize is that in, in God redeeming us, it required as payment the full life of Christ. It was an expensive thing, but worth it. He, he was willing to give all that he had for, for you and for me. God made us and God bought us. We are twice his. And there's a story about um, that illustrates this where a young boy, he made a boat, a toy boat, took it out to the his lake and then he lost it. The wind kind of turned up and he couldn't find it and he, he lost this boat. He was devastated. Went back home he, after looking for it for a long time, couldn't find it. Uh, a week later, he was walking through the town and in the window he saw uh, his boat and he was like, he went into the, to the store store and start, tried to talk to the owner and said, Hey, listen, that's my boat. I created it. And the owner said, Hey, listen, it's actually mine. Now you have to, I understand, but you, you need to pay for it. And so he went home and he worked and he, he earned up enough money to pay for the rest, for the price of the boat that he created. He did so joyfully, took it home, was so excited because that thing was doubly his. He had made it and he had bought it. And that's the same thing that's true of you and me, that God created us and he bought us in Jesus. We have been redeemed. This is worth celebrating. The second present reality is that we've been forgiven. And this implies that there was an offense that requires just punishment. And again, this goes to the beautiful reality of the gospel that those of us who find ourselves in Christ are forgiven. Jesus paid the price that we could never pay once and for all, right? He removed our sin from us. And he's doing so daily. He's removing our old ways of thinking and patterns of living in the process. Psalm 103 verse 12 says this, As far as the east is from the west, so far does God remove our transgressions from us. Micah seven nineteen. You cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Total forgiveness is something to celebrate. It is beyond anything positive thinking, therapy, or hypnosis can provide. It is complete extending to the consciousness and unconscious sins of our lives because God knows all things and because Jesus' blood is infinite. The price he paid to redeem us, the blood he shed to forgive us is infinite, covers all things. Sins that we know we've committed, sins that we will commit, sins that we've committed in the past, things that we don't even yet realize that we've done, Jesus has forgiven us for. This is incredible good news. The third thing here is grace presently, that that God gave us grace in, in, in how he's forgiving us and how he's redeeming us. It's not like a stingy amount of forgiveness. Like I will, you know, because you've repented three times, I will forgive you three times, or I will forgive you in accordance to your penance or any of those things. It's God is for, is forgiving and redeeming, um, not from his riches, but according to his riches in the sense that He's giving according to his lavishness. God is a lavish God. He is the, the ruler and authority over all creation, the whole entire universe. And he's 
giving grace according to that measure. He's got, he's got plenty, so he's giving plenty. And what that is is a flood of undeserved favor that lasts for eternity over the top redemption and forgiveness, which is all in line with the character and nature of the Trinity. Again, not, not based on our deservedness, but based on the nature of the Father, Son, Spirit relationship that makes up the Trinity. In the future, though, there's more to this redemption. That God has this incredible master plan to unite all things in Christ. Regenerated souls and the whole created universe united in Christ. This is worth celebrating because he has a plan, right? Sometimes anxiety or fear or uh, hopelessness creeps in because it's like, what is the purpose of any of this? What is the purpose of my life? Does anything make sense? He has a plan. And so... The, the world is not a top that some distant deity spun millions of years ago and is just waiting, you know, at a distance, kind of disinterested as it's slowly coming to a toppled end. No, he has a plan in Christ to unite all things. So what that means, again, we talked a lot about in Christness, but just in this, in this sense, Christ is not only the means by which God will unite all the disparate parts of creation, right? All the broken and disunity and, you know, all those things. He's, he's, he's bringing them all. He's summing all those things up in Christ like, like we talked about last week. So Christ is not only the means by which that's going to happen. He also is the center and focal point through whom and for whom all of this will take place, right? It's all, it's all in Christ. And you could summarize this, 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 this group of regenerated souls that makes up the body of Christ, the church, the bride of Christ, is that God is providing a bride for his son. The second reason we're celebrating today, we have redemption. We have redemption. Let's move on to the third part. Celebration of inheritance, verses 11 and 12. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. So again, this inheritance is in Christ. This is a radical transformation that takes place as we're found and bound up in Jesus. We are a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Behold, the old is gone and the new has come. We were in Adam, but now we're in Christ. And along with that, in our inheritance, there is this dynamic unity. Again, if we think about we're included in the, the very nature of God, unified love and purpose, we're talking about being included in the body of Christ, this dynamic unity where we start thinking less about me, but we, we start thinking more about we, the other, we're talking about the new humanity that is in Christ, this body that is made up in Christ of different um, appendages and things that are happening that are all moving towards the same goal of uniting heaven and earth and getting the hell out of earth and all those things. Part of our inheritance is, is being a part of that unified body. And lastly, in Christ, we find this deep lasting satisfaction that is part of our inheritance, that union with Christ is what you're looking for, whether you know it or not. And again, we talked about that a, bu like a bunch a couple years ago, but that's, that's what you and I are really longing for, is to find our place in Christ. 
And that's what he knew from before the foundation of the world. And that's what he had determined according to his will to give to us is our place of lasting satisfaction found in Jesus. So why are we celebrating today? The third point, we have obtained an inheritance. We've not been left alone. Which brings us to the final point here, guys. We are celebrating the seal of the Spirit, verses 13 and 14. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. So the celebration of the seal of the Spirit. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. So what does it mean to be sealed? Who of you can remember being a kid, or maybe you are a kid, and calling things? I call this chair. I call using this this uh, car when I get back from playing outside. I call sitting in the front seat, you know, mostly it's seats, but anyways, calling something, marking it as your own. This is mine, you know, or, you know, when I was a kid, we had to write our names in our, we all had white t-shirts, so we had to write our names in the tag. So, you know, okay, this is Tom's, this isn't Jack's and all that kind of stuff. But what does it mean to be sealed? It, it means that we have this security in knowing whose we are, that, that, that I have, I have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. There's this process of authentication that, okay, this is actually, you know, when, when my brothers and I would fight over whose t-shirt it was, they, my mom would look and say, okay, no, it does say Tom. This is, I'm, a, I'm authenticating the story here. This is Tom since you give me the white t-shirt. There's this nature of, of genuineness that, no, actually this is what, what it really is. You know, often you get um, a product and there's some type of seal of authentication or genuineness. I mean, this is a big deal for you sneakerheads out there who, I don't know if we have many in our community, but anyways, that if you buy a pair of shoes, there's this, there's this seal of genuineness there, that there's a bunch of knockoffs, but this is genuine. And, uh, and finally, like there's this identification of ownership, which again goes back to the t-shirt thing there. But the point of all of this is that God is claiming us as his own. He's sealing us with his spirit because he's like, hey, mine, I'm calling this. I'm calling this woman. I'm calling this girl. I'm calling this old man. They're mine. So that's good news. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit. But how is the Holy Spirit an assurance of our inheritance? And it's two things. Who's ever gone to a fancy restaurant and had the privilege, I should say the privilege of going to a fancy restaurant and receiving what's called an amuse-bouche. What it is, is, is it's like a little taste, it fits in like a, a spoon typically, of, of the meal to come. And so it's like, it's a small version, a condensed version of, maybe not necessarily the exact meal you're gonna be having, hopefully the meal you're having is gonna be a better and bigger representation of what that amuse-bouche is. But it's just a little taste of what's to come. And this is, this is when, we, when we sense the Spirit's nearness, when the Spirit is revealing something to us about who Jesus is or, or empowering us to do something we couldn't do before or um, leading us into mission or you know, speaking to us about something as we're reading the Scripture. All of these are a, a foretaste or an amuse-bouche of what we will experience in the fullness of time when God in Christ unites heaven and earth. Right? These are all foretastes of what's to come. But the Holy Spirit is also a down payment of our inheritance, that, that Jesus is, is coming to, to pay fully for us again. 
That he's, and, and what I mean by that is that there will be complete union of heaven and earth and God and man one day. But as we wait for that reality to unfold, there's this down payment of knowing, hey, no, I'm his. Now I've been sealed by the Spirit, but also the Holy Spirit is, is an assurance of this inheritance that's going to come. Why are we celebrating today finally, guys? Because you were sealed. That's why you're celebrating. That's why we get to celebrate today. I understand and realize that that was a lot of good news to process. And maybe you feel like breathless and kind of like there's too much going on here and that's okay. But my hope and prayer for you today is that this will draw you into a real knowledge and experience of the God who has desired and dreamed of being with you since before the Grand Canyon or, the, or Mount Everest was created. that this knowledge of his willingness to do whatever he needed to do to get you back will inspire you and serve as a deep reservoir of praise that will lead to lives that celebrate the God who is Trinity, the God who chose you, the God who redeemed you, the God who includes you in an otherworldly inheritance, and the God who has sealed you as his own. In closing, I'm gonna, I'm gonna recite uh, a prayer found in Psalm 150, and that'll be it for our time this morning, guys. Psalm 150, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens, praise him for his mighty deeds, praise him according to his excellent greatness, praise him with trumpet sound, praise him with lute and harp, praise him with tambourine and dance, praise him with strings and pipe, praise him with sounding cymbals, praise him with loud clashing cymbals, let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. May this be true of us, Lord, in every way. Thank you for your abundant blessing to us. We look to you, Jesus, in anticipation and hope. We pray this all in your name, Lord. Amen. Bless you guys.